on April 21st, 2016, I was laying in my hospital bed with a sickle cell crisis over in San Francisco in a hospital called Parnassus, UCSF. I had been a Prince fan for many years, ever since I was, I've been a strong, mm, like fanatic level fan since I was 15 years old, and I'm 42 today. Prince basically had an album for every year I was born because he signed a contract a day before I was born. So, the year that Prince died, I was 40. The year he died, I had just turned 40. And he has basically 40 albums that was released, but not all together. Now, besides that point, I wanted to bring up every single detail that I remember when he died. Okay, it was around April 15th, and I was on the internet, and I noticed a lot of people were adding themselves on my Facebook group, and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, what's going on? So somebody tells me, hey, uh, Prince got sick or something, and I didn't know any real information. All I had was what I heard on TMZ. On TMZ, they said that Prince had an emergency landing in Moline, Illinois. I guess they said he wasn't breathing. This is basically what I heard on TMZ, okay? I'm not saying this is the truth. This is what I'm, I'm just breaking down. So I'm thinking to myself, I hope my dude okay. And on one of the news channels, they was like, well, he was released from the hospital, but he's still in grave danger, is what the news report had said. This was not TMZ, this was something else. They say he had released himself from the hospital. They didn't say any details of what was wrong with him. From what I heard, it was the flu. But on TMZ, they were saying it was a drug overdose, right? So... I would say a couple days later, I noticed that Apollonia on her Facebook page had wrote about how she wanted Prince to take care of himself and get some rest. And I'm thinking, okay, he must have the flu. He's really sick, you know, dehydrated, whatever. He's, he's not doing well. And I noticed he puts this picture on, up on his Twitter of an old actor, black and white actor. I can't remember his name right now. But he puts this picture up. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's playing around. Next thing I know, they said he's going to have a party at Paisley Park. So I'm to myself, yeah, my boy, he cool, he aight, you know. But at the same time, somebody put a picture up on, on Twitter, on Prince's page. A cartoon of Prince uh, with a tear on his left eye and his third eye open. That happened around that same week 
within that six day uh span. So I hear about the party. I'm hearing everything cool, calm, and collect. At the time, I'm living in San Francisco, so I'm hearing some things like uh, I go on media takeout because a friend told me something that hate that they had read, and I see this uh this blind item about there's a major artist has uh HIV and then they're gonna die probably most likely in the summertime. So I have a friend that I had met over in San Francisco and she's also a Prince fan. She uh has a a Prince uh guitar there. I talked to her and I'm thinking to myself, I'm saying to her, I don't think Prince is gonna make it. I feel something's wrong because something's not adding up. I don't know what it is. And she's t- and she's telling me like if something happened to Prince, uh, I'm on I'm gonna cry forever and this and that. I'm thinking okay. I said I just hope to God ain't nothing wrong with him, you know. And a couple days from that, I went into the hospital on the 18th of April with a a sickle cell crisis from the 18th. 1920 on the 20th that's what they call out there in uh san francisco is a place called hippie hill i could look out my window and i could see people smoking weed out there for a day which they call um 420 has something to do with national day everybody smokes weed but you know i'm not a weed smoker but that's besides the point. So I'm out there, you know, looking outside. I'm wishing, you know, I want to go home. And I can't go home because I'm sick. And the next day, I get a phone call. My friend's like, turn on the TV. I'm like, what's going on, bro? And I'm telling you, you know, I'm, I'm in a hospital or whatever. He's like, you need to uh, turn on the TV. Next thing I know, a bunch of people start calling me randomly. Like, I was, I was getting hit up. Like, 20 people was like, it was my mom, my brother, my sister, my cousins, um, friends that knew me from way back and stuff. Hitting up my phone like, yo, Prince died, yo. What's going on? I'm like, yo, I'm in a hospital. I don't know what's going on. I turn on the TV. And it's plastered everywhere. The boy, gone. And I'm just in total and utter shock. And I felt my heart drop. And all of a sudden, I felt like a piece of my heart just broke. See, people don't understand how much I love Prince's music. Prince's music got me through so much stuff in my life. People could not even comprehend how Prince's music had got me through some stuff. So, I didn't cry. I just looked at that in utter shock. I, like, I couldn't believe it, but at the same time, I was noticing pictures of him that January of 2016. And I noticed he was starting to look Smaller. 
I mean, Prince has always been a small dude. But this time, it's like I could see bones sticking out of his shirt. Because I had saw him in March at a place called American Music Hall a month previously. He was doing the after show for the, uh, the Oracle Arena over in Oakland. Then he turned around and did an after show in San Francisco, which was basically a block away from where I was living. And I went there, checked it out. It was cool. And he sounded great, but it's just the way he looked. So I started asking people in January. I'm like, uh, does Prince look normal to you? Like, does he look sick? Everybody was like, no, he don't look sick. Ain't nothing wrong with him. I mean, I had been on the grind for at least like two, three years, and I had been really paying attention to his his music as much as I used to, but I always kept up with what he was doing. Like, I had heard he had uh three albums that came out right before, well, three albums after he uh did, you know, he sat up with Warner Brothers again. When he sent out with Warner Brothers again, I started paying more attention to him because I had slipped for a little while. For like maybe like two years, I had slipped. But I hadn't bought nothing. So I thought that was real odd. So I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, these reports started coming out that he had AIDS. Everybody was telling him, yeah, he had AIDS. He died of AIDS, this and that. And then... And then other places would say something different. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what's going on. One thing I do know about Prince, man, I ain't saying that I know him personally. But what I'm saying is Prince kept himself clean at all times, man. Like he was an immaculate person. He kept his, his clothes right. He kept whatever he put in his body he made sure everything was detoxified. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't eat no meat. He wouldn't do nothing. He wouldn't do no drugs. I mean, after... Mm, I would say after the 2000s. I might have seen him drink here and there some wine. You know, Prince drank a little, drink a little port wine every once in a while. But he wasn't a major drinker. You know, he drank a little bit. And he might have, you know, had some pills. I'm not saying that he was addicted to it. What I'm saying is that Prince had a, a hip issue. He had a surgery in 2010 on his right hip. Hip replacement. And just because you have a hip replacement don't mean that the pain is gone. But that's besides the fact. Even if he was addicted to any type of medication, is what I want to bring up right now is a lot of people don't understand. Prince could have been dependent on opioids. That don't mean he was an addict. And even if he was dependent or even if he was an addict, that don't make a difference. Prince died because of an accidental overdose on fentanyl, meaning 
Prince did not know he was taking fentanyl. This is what a lot of people don't understand. They, I keep telling them this. People are not comprehending what I'm trying to tell them. Now, now listen up. Somehow, some way, no one knows, but this is what happened. Somehow, Prince obtained some hydrocodone pills that weren't really hydrocodone or Vicodin. Those pills were really actually contain fentanyl. For some reason, I don't know how, I don't know who, I don't know when, and when he obtained these drugs. And this is the question that I've been trying to bring up for many years now. Where did those pills come from? And when I heard Prince died, a lot of people didn't know the exact cause because they didn't you know, get the toxicology, toxicology report back. But from but for me, because I was uh, living in San Francisco at that time, there was a lot of bulletins about somebody was selling counterfeit Xanax, or is it Xanax, counterfeit opioids, etc. that contain fentanyl, but there actually weren't the drug that you're trying to get. They're actually made from fentanyl now from a lot of people that don't understand the whole fentanyl thing okay fentanyl is an opioid and it's stronger than morphine now everybody know morphine is a very strong drug i want to say that fentanyl is about 10 to 20 times stronger than morphine now, y'all can check that yourselves. Fentanyl is 10 to 20 more times stronger than morphine. And this is how Prince died. We don't know where he got these pills from. We can speculate. In my podcast, I will not call any names out. I'm not going to say, he did it, he did it, he did it. I might say, okay... The reason, probable cause of a possibility of allegedly that maybe something like that might have happened. But I don't know. I don't know. I was not there. I cannot tell you pinpoint exactly what happened. And I might have my own theory. Don't mean my theory is right. You can email me at any time if you want to bring up any type of theory that you might have. That's cool. I'm trying to collaborate on this. I'm trying to like be this type of podcast where we can talk freely about this death of Prince and what happened. And I wish you guys would join me. This is not the first man to have died because he had his masters. This is not the first man. We can go all the way back to Sam Cooke. Every time a black man gets his masters, for the most part, as a major artist, 
they end up dying a weird death. They don't never die of old age. Notice that. Always a overdose. Somebody killed them, etc. Now what happens to Prince? Y'all think I'm gonna lay down and not say nothing? I'm talking about this, man. I'm not letting it go. Y'all can call me a crazy Prince fan that don't wanna let go. You can call me whatever you want. Because I'm gonna be speaking on this until the day I die. You know how people be always, even to this day, that Elvis died in 1977 and they still talking about Elvis? It's about Elvis still alive? That's how I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be breaking down every possibility of what happened to my boy. Every possibility. And I'm not saying all of it's true. I'm just bringing out probable cause of what might have happened to the man. So, with that said, we done already broke down a couple of things of how he might have died. I'm, I'm going to bring up who, who might have did it. You know? I'm going to bring up many things. This is going to be just the first of many. And I have made already made a couple podcasts about this. I might put those in later on today or do it later on this week. But for now, I just want to say peace and stay funky to all my Prince fans out there. Stay strong and keep his memory and his legacy alive, man. Peace. Minnesota, 55318-952-361-1212 Incident Report Incidental, 201600012559 Evid Biological Evidence Blood Stain Preparation Belonging to P.R. Nelson Released by Midwest Medical Examiner, Item 11, Evid Equipment Evidence Bag Seal from Midwest Medical Examiner 000-5960, Item 14 Clothing evidence? Black hat recovered from PR Nelson. Released by Midwest Medical Examiner. Item 15. Clothing evidence pair of black socks belonging to PR Nelson. Released by Midwest Medical Examiner. Item 16. Clothing evidence black pants belonging to PR Nelson. Released by Midwest Medical Examiner. Item 17. Clothing evidence? Black underwear belonging to PR Nelson. Released by Midwest Medical Examiner, Item 18, Clothing Evidence. Black Lang Sleeve Shirt Belonging to R.R. Nelson. Released by Midwest Medical Examiner, Item 19, Clothing Evidence Gray T, Shirt Belonging to P.R. Nelson. Released by Midwest Medical Examiner, Item 20, Miscellaneous All Other Evidence Green Backpack Seized from Andrew Kornfeld 04-21-16 Evid Drugs Evidence. Three prescription bottles belonging to P.R. Nelson. Recovered by Midwest Medical Examiner, Item 21, of C. Equipment Evidence Thumb Drive from Americana Bank Chanhassen 0F Surveillance Camera Pointing Towards the Back of Country Inn and Suites Evid-Gawkits-Blood-DNA Evidence. 
42-1 to 16 swabbing of Prince Nelson's left hand Evan B.A. kits slash blood slash DNA swabbing of Prince Nelson's neck Evan B.A. kits slash blood na evidence 42-1 to 16 swabbing from Prince Nelson's right hand Evan drugs evidence CVS prescription bottle for on Dancitron 8 milligrams belonging to Kirk Johnson 10 white round pills OFA 349 L pill orange with number 8 stamp Page 13 of 214. Toggle Description Prints Investigation Files. These are the 2021 Carver County Sheriff. S of CE 606, East 4th Street, Chaska, Minnesota, 5531895236112121 Incident Report Incident 20160001255592 Evid Drugs Evidence Bayer Bottle with 64 and a half white oblong pills with Watson 8.53 stamp located 011 right side bedroom. Green Robin, Evid Drugs Evidence CV5 Pharmacy Pill Bottle in Kirk Onsen's name, said Vitamin D2, inside 7 green capsules 194 Implon 8 orange oval pills located in, minor room, in suitcase joining green room 2 ND floor Evid Drugs. Evidence 42146 Aleve Bottle, with 20 LF2 white pill oval, with Watson 853 stamped 0 and them found on near bed oin the green room, 2 floor EVID drugs evidence found on 2 ND floor dressing room east side 15 Watson 853 stan red white capsules found in white tissue paper in J. Lily box. Belt male was found unconscious and not breathing inside of his residence. Life-saving measures were attempted and the male was pronounced dead at the scene. Details. 1 on Q4F21F2016 at 0945 hours, deputies were dispatched to a medical call at 7801 Audubon Road, Paisley Park. Dispatch advised a male was on the ground and was dot not breathing. 2 Deputy Horvath and I arrived on scene at 0948 hours along with Chen Hassan Fire Personnel and Ridgeview Paramedics. Emergency responders were met at the front door of the residence and escorted to where the mail was located. The mail was identi, and as Prince Rogers Nelson and Nelson was located inside of the elevator that was located down the main entrance hallway on the right side. Chanhassen Fire Chief Johnson removed Nelson out of the elevator. Nelson was lying on the, or on his back with his feet near the door for the elevator. I could tell Nelson was unresponsive and not responding to any stimulation. I noticed that Nelson's right arm appeared to be stiff, as it remained in the same position as he was moved on the over. Four Chief Johnson checked for a pulse and stated that he could not feel a pulse. Chief Johnson stated due to Nelson being warm to the touch that CPR was going to be started. Chief Johnson began chest compressions and was handed the automated external to Brillator, AED, by Deputy Horvath. As I was removing the pads and activating the AED, Ridgeview Polymedics entered. Ridgeview Paramedics stated that since there were obvious signs of rigor mortis, life-saving efforts could be stopped. Ridgeview Paramedics pronounced the time of death to be 1,007 hours. 5. I then made contact with Sergeant Brunig, who had arrived on scene. Sergeant Brunig advised he would be making phone contact with investigations and the Midwest Medical Examiner, S of, CE. 6. At this time, I left the area to obtain statements from the three individuals that were on scene at the time. 
the three individuals were identified as Kirk Anthony Johnson Marone Becker, Dob, and Andrew Battison Kornfeld, Dob. Seven Deputy Horvath obtained a recorded statement from Johnson and I made contact with Becker. I asked Becker if she would be willing to give me a recorded statement in regards to what had happened today. Becker stated she would. Becker was very emotional and was crying when I made contact with her. A following is a page 15 of 214 and with Becker. Becker stated that she is Nelson as personal assistant. Becker stated Johnson, Kornfeld, and she arrived at Paisley Park around 0900 hours on 04F21X 2016 to check on Nelson. Becker stated that she had not heard from Nelson and he was not responding to email, s and text messages. Becker stated the last contact anyone had with Nelson was at around 2000 hours on 04-20F 2016. Becker stated the last time she saw Nelson was at 1,630 hours. Becker stated she arrived at Paisley Park on 04K20F 2016 to go with Nelson to a doctor's appointment that was scheduled. Becker stated Nelson told her that she was not needed and she left. Becker stated the reason Nelson more on New York reason Nelson was going to the doctor was because he was not feeling well. It was at this point that one of the paramedics came and explained that they were leaving and discussed viewing Nelson to everyone in the room. Becker again became emotional and was hard to understand while speaking with her. Becker stated she arrived along with Johnson and Kornfeld at around 0900 hours to check on Nelson. Becker stated Nelson was found in the elevator while they were looking for him. Becker stated she did not know of any medical problems that Nelson had and had no known medical history. I explained how the rest of the process would work with Becker and asked if there was anything else she wanted to add to the statement. Becker stated she did not have anything further to add and I ended the recording. I then made contact with Kornfeld. I asked Kornfeld if he would be willing to talk to me about what he knew about the incident. Kornfeld stated he would. I activated my digital recorder again. The following is a summary of the recording with Kornfeld. I identi, Ed Kornfeld and expressed my condolences to Kornfeld. I asked Kornfeld how he knew Nelson. Kornfeld stated that he did not know Nelson. Kornfeld stated he was brought in to help with Nelson, as medical issues and some options for getting assistance. Kornfeld stated his father, who was identi, Ed as Howard Kornfeld, no further information, had a clinic in California. Kornfeld stated his father, S clinic was asked on 04F20I 2016 to come and meet with Nelson. Kornfeld stated he took a red plane to Minnesota from California during the late night of 04F20-04-21. Kornfeld stated he arrived in Minnesota and got a hotel room in Chanhassen. Kornfeld stated he met with Johnson and Becker during the morning hours of April 21, 2016. While he was speaking with Johnson and Becker, they mentioned that it was very normal to not check on Nelson for a while. Kornfeld stated he advised that they should attempt to make contact with Nelson. Kornfeld stated they arrived at Paisley Park at about 0915 hours. 
Kornfeld stated he was in another room at the residence, while Johnson and Bakur went to go check on Nelson. Kornfeld stated he heard a scream and came into the area of the elevator. Kornfeld stated he called 911 and checked Nelson. Kornfeld stated he decided not to start CPR as he noted signs of rigor mortis. I asked Kornfeld if he knew any medical conditions or history of Nelson. Kornfeld stated he did not know any further information about Nelson. Kornfeld stated he was just there to explain the medical of CES program and if Nelson wanted to go with him, they would return to California. I advised Kornfeld on what would be happening next and ended the recording. Both of the recordings were later downloaded to a CD at the Chenhassen district of CE and secured into evidence. After obtaining the statements, I assisted with scene security. It was also at this time that Carver County investigators arrived on scene. I was then asked to go with the Carver County investigator Nucci and attempt to complete the death note, Katayan if Nelson's sister in Minneapolis. Nelson's sister was identi, Ed as Taika Eve Nelson cleared the scene and had begun to drive to Minneapolis. I was soon contacted by phone that Taika had been noti, Ed and I could return to Chanhassen. When I returned to the scene, I assisted with truth, crowd control around Paisley Park and did not go back into the residence. One also. Deputy Horvath Abriel from approximately 1,125 hours until 1,200 hours. Deputy Horvath was I responsible for the crime scene log at the main gate into Paisley Park. See Deputy Horvath's report for further information. 15.1 State on scene and assisted with crowd slash truth, see control until 2000 hours. End of report Deputy Adam Hastings number 836. ICR 1601255 Special Notes or Instructions Coatney Formal Compel C0 Atney Review City Atney Formal Compel City Atney Review Co-Social Services Co-Mental Health School Crime Public Health Squad Video Available Other PA of this report RIM slash 16 Details 1 on 04 slash 212 L6 at 0943 HRS Deputies Horvath and Hastings along with the Ridgeview Ambulance and Chenhassen Fire Rescue were dispatched to Paisley Park on a report of male down who was not breathing. Paisley Park is located at 7801 Audubon Road in the city of Chenhassen. I, Sergeant Brunick, responded also to assist. 2 Deputy Horvath, Deputy Hastings, Chenhassen CSO Sanchez, members of the Chenhassen Fire I Department, and two Richview paramedics arrived on scene before I did. When I arrived, I entered the building through the main entrance on the north side. I noted three adults in the lobby on the RST, over. I continued to an elevator that, s to the right, just past the lobby. On the, or outside of the elevator, I observed an adult male lying on his side on top of a crumpled rug. The male was dressed in pants, socks, no shoes, and some type of shirt. The male was later identi, and as Prince Rogers Nelson, dub. I spoke to Chenhassen Fire Chief Johnson, Chief One, who was one of the first responders to arrive. Chief Johnson told me Nelson was still in the elevator when he arrived. Chief Johnson said he could not detect a pulse on Nelson, but believed he was still warm to the touch. 
Chief Johnson said he then drugged Nelson out of the elevator and initiated CPR. Three I then spoke to one of the paramedics on the scene. The paramedic told me that he observed signs of rigor mortis on Nelson three body which indicated he had not died recently. The paramedic said they used a heart monitor to check for indications of a heart the reading was AZ's toll, at line. The paramedic then called, Med Control, at the Richview Medical Center to consult with emergency room staff. It was after that when the paramedics advised that Nelson was pronounced deceased at 1007 HRS. The paramedics spoke to the three people in the lobby and then cleared from the scene. Four Chief Johnson wanted to rule out the possibility of there being dangerous levels of carbon dioxide in the building. Chief Johnson said one of his, re, had used a monitor and advised that carbon dioxide levels in the building were safe. Chief Johnson wanted to check the carbon dioxide levels in the parking garage. I had Deputy Horvath the company Chief Johnson to the parking garage. They returned a few minutes later and Chief Johnson advised the carbon dioxide levels in the parking garage were safe. All members of the Chen Hassan Fire Department then cleared from the scene. 5. I stayed near the body to protect the scene. I instructed deputies Horvath and Hastings to take initial statements from the people in the lobby and to record them. I then contacted my immediate supervisor, Lieutenant Kit Elson. I advised Lieutenant Kit Elson of the situation and requested that he respond to the scene. I then contacted Detective Sergeant Meyer and advised him of the situation. Detective Sergeant Meyer said he would be responding with a team of detectives. I then requested that dispatch advise the medical examiner. I received a phone call a short time later from a medical examiner investigator. She said she would be responding to the scene after consulting with the pathologist. When Deputy Horvath was done taking initial statements from people in the lobby, I directed him to the entrance of the parking lot on the property revised 05-12. Page 86 When Detective Sergeant Meyer arrived on scene, he asked that I join him and other law enforcement of SARS in doing a protective sweep of the property. The purpose of this is to ND out if anyone else is on the property and to ensure that the scene is safe. Mail by the name of Kirk accompanied us during the protective sweep. Kirk is a high-level staffer who was close to Nelson and had keys for the property. 7. While we were on the second floor of the building during the protective sweep, we noticed a black-colored glove and a black-colored garment, which appeared to be a jacket, lying in the hallway underscore key underscore RK was asked if that seemed normal. Kirk replied it was not normal and for that reason, he did, T touch it. I did not observe anyone or anything suspicious during the rest of the protective sweep of the interior of the building. Detective Sergeant Meteor and I then did a protective sweep off the area around the outside of the building. I did not observe anything suspicious. 8. During the remainder of my time on the scene, assisted with interior scene security, assisted in guiding Hennepin County Sheriff, S of, CE crime scene deputies to various parts of the building, and I left the scene twice for periods of time to get supplies needed at the scene. I completely cleared from the scene at approximately 1,645 hours, and of report Sergeant J. Brunig number 822. First, 2016 at 0945 hours, 
I was dispatched to a medical at 7801 Audubon Road in the city of Chenhassen, Paisley Park. Dispatch advised it was reported an adult male was down and believed to not be breathing. Two deputy Hastings and I arrived on scene at 0948 hours. Along with Chenhassen Fire Chief Johnson and Richview paramedics. I entered the front door of Paisley Park with my medical bag and was directed to where the adult male was down. I observed there were three people inside the main entry door slash lobby area. As I entered, three I walked down the hallway from the front door and to my right I observed a male party down on the over, directly in front of the elevator. I later learned the male party was actually inside the elevator and was pulled out by Chenhassen Fire Chief Johnson. The male party was later identi, and as Prince Rogers Nelson Dobb 4. I observed Prince was lying on the, or on his back directly in front of the elevator. Chenhassen Fire Chief Johnson advised that Prince was still warm and began resuscitation efforts. I observed Chief Johnson begin chest compression so I got my AED ready from my medical bag. I handed my AED and pads to Deputy Hastings as he was closer to Prince than I was. Additional Chenhassen rescue personnel arrived on scene at this time, so I allowed them to take over my spot allowing me to speak to the three people in the front lobby area. I-5. The three people in the front lobby area were identi, and as Andrew Battison Kornfeld Dob Kirk Anthony Johnson and Marone NMN Bekuer Dob Dash. I proceeded to activate my digital recorder and spoke to Kirk about the incident. I was informed that Kirk is an employee of Prince, and handles most of his daily affairs. The following is a summary of our conversation, Six Kirk told me about recently having to make an airplane perform an emergency landing due to Prince blacking out in, I. Kirk said Prince was rushed to the local hospital but refused to submit to a blood test while he was there to find out what was wrong. Kirk said he told Prince that he needed to take him to the doctor then when they got home so they could get checked out. 7. Kirk said he took Prince to a doctor's appointment at North Memorial Clinic at 1,700 hours yesterday, April 20, 2016. Kirk said he could tell Prince was going through withdrawal as he was driving him home from the doctor. Kirk believed the withdrawal were from prescription medications revised 05X12. Page 20 did not know what Prisk 11 Trons Prince was taking. Kirk also did not know how long Plince has been I using prescription drugs but suspected it to be a long time. Kirk Spissy, Kelly told me that Prince refused to provide a blood test at the hospital because he did not want people to know about his use of prescription medications. Kirk told me the only thing Prince complained about on the ride back home from the doctor, S of, CE was that he was suffering from anxiety and dehydration. Please see full statement for further information. Note, there is a considerable amount of background noise during our conversation and at times it is hard to hear Kirk. I then made contact with Michael Todd Schulenberg Dobb at the scene. Schulenberg was a doctor at North Memorial Clinic and saw Prince the prior day. I asked Schulenberg if someone from here requested his presence and he said no. Schulenberg said it was a complete coincidence and that he had showed up at Paisley Park to meet with Prince to discuss substance abuse treatment. Schulenberg told me he has met with Prince twice at the North Memorial Clinic. Schulenberg reported the RST time he met with Prince was this visit, 
Schulenberg met Prince at Paisley Park and then transported him to the clinic. Schulenberg told me Prince, S. chief complaint on that day was that he generally was not feeling well and being nauseous. Schulenberg said Prince also complained of antuntness slash tingling in one of his legs and both of his hands. Schulenberg said on his visit yesterday with Prince the main complaint reported to him was that he was antsy. I then was assigned to the North Gate entrance on Audubon Road and instructed to start a crime scene log. I kept a crime scene log beginning at 1027 hours until 1815 hours. Note, I was relieved by Deputy Hastings from 1229 hours until 1250 hours. I also was relieved by Deputy McKeerahan from 1422 hours until 1501 hours. I will be filling out a crime scene log report underscore I downloaded my conversation with Kirk to a CD. The CD was entered into evidence at the Chenhassen district of CE. End of report I Deputy James Horvath number 864. April 22, 2016. I conducted follow up at the request of Detective P. Murphy at the Country Inn and Suites. Detective Murphy wanted me to inquire about surveillance video at the hotel. Detective P. Murphy was looking for surveillance video of the hotel area from April 20, 2016 at 2100 hours until 1000 hours on April 2, 1-20-16. I arrived at the hotel and spoke to the front desk manager, Valerie Cheryl Hicks who advised me the hotel does not have exterior or interior surveillance cameras. I then drove around the country in and suites looking for outside surveillance cameras pointing towards the south side of the hotel. I located one exterior camera at the Americana Bank which is to the southwest of the country in and suites. The camera does not point towards the back entry of the hotel. The camera quality is also very grainy making it hard to even see the back lot of the hotel, especially when zooming in. I collected the thumb drive of the surveillance video and placed it into evidence locker number 5 at the Chenhassen district of CE. I then made phone contact with the Hicks at approximately 1,400 hours. I inquired if she could provide me any information on when Andrew Kornfeld checked in and out of the hotel. Hicks told me Kornfeld checked into room number 102 at 0845 hours on April 21, 2016. Hicks said Kornfeld was still listed as a guest of the hotel and had not checked out. Hicks told me she did not know if Kornfeld was at the hotel currently because she had not seen him all day nor did she know what he looked like. Hicks did not know if Kornfeld had the hotel's continental breakfast after he checked in on April 21, 2016. Detective P. Murphy requested I put this information into a follow-up record. Revised 05-12. 15th of this report, April 25th, 16 details, 1. The purpose of this second follow-up report is to provide additional and clarifying information to the RST follow-up report that I submitted on April 23rd, 16. 2. I put on a pair CF latex gloves when I arrived on the property when the incident was still a medical event. I removed my latex gloves after Nelson had been pronounced deceased as I needed to use my cell phone to make noti. Catayans. 3. When I was asked to join the team of law enforcement of SARS conducting the protective sweep of the property, I put on a second pair of latex gloves. Paisley Park is a large, 
diverse property and I did not enter every room of the property while assisting during the protective sweep. I did enter hallways, a residential suite of rooms, storage rooms, utility rooms, recording studios, public restrooms, event concert halls, a headroom not associated with the residential suite that is upstairs from the event concert halls, mixed use or use rooms, parking garage, and a tunnel located under the event concert halls. There were several raised platforms in the event concert halls which had decorative skirting made from cloth. I lifted the skirting on the platforms that I checked to see if anyone was underneath, I did not locate anyone. As stated in my previous report, I also assisted in the protective sweep of the exterior grounds surrounding the main building. I did not collect any evidence during the protective sweep. For I was tasked with purchasing food and beverages for of, Sears working at the scene since processing was likely to take a considerable amount of time. Commander Chida accompanied me. According to the crime scene log, we left the scene at 1308 HRS and returned at 1,345. Lieutenant Kit Elson asked that I retrieve his laptop from his of CE for his use in the command post vehicle and that I update the Chenhassen city manager as to the crowd and truth, see control concerns surrounding the incident. According to the crime scene log, I left the scene at 1,400 hours and returned at 1,517 HRS. 6. When I was back at the scene, I was asked to show a sergeant from the Hennepin County Sheriff's of CE Crime Scene Unit how to access the tunnel. After that, I also showed the HCSO sergeant how to access the roof, the parking garage, some storage rooms, and the bedroom that is located upstairs from the event concert halls. The HCSO sergeant took photos of the spaces I showed him but I did not collect any evidence while I accompanied him. 7. I completely cleared the scene at approximately 1,745 HRS. End of report Sergeant J. Brunig number 822 revised 05-12. Although this may not be unusual to ND these products in the bathroom but there were multiple boxes. I did notice a number of these empty boxes found during the search of this area. These appear to be an over-the-counter products. I did not see any names on any of the boxes. I assisted in searching the of CE located on the mail level near the recording studios. I also walked through a number of the recording studios. I was in the lower level garage where a number of cars were kept. I did search though a number of cars. I did not ND anything of any signy cans in the cars. A number of the cars appeared as though they had not been driven for some period of time. Some of them had, at tires, while others had a signy, can't amount of dust that had settled on them. I found when going through other rooms in the complex it was not unusual to, and small amount of cash in these plastic shopping bags, or other small amounts of cash left in drawers. When money was located it was photographed and left in the room it was found, and was later to be collected. We received instruction that at the end of the execution of search warrant the money was to be collected by Sergeant Meyer and would be provided to a representative of Paisley Park. There were a number of times when going through cabinets and drawers when I would, and a plastic shopping and would, and small amounts of cash in the bag. Sometimes it was a couple dollars, other times.
Sometimes it was a couple dollars, other times it was $20 or more. It appears whoever went to the store left the change in the bag, and then left the bag in the drawer. I assisted searching the bedroom believed to be the room used by Prince. In the bedroom I searched a black suitcase with blue interior. This suitcase was originally found on a chair. Inside the suitcase were a number of miscellaneous items, including personal hygiene items. I again found cash, $191. Inside the suitcase I found, two, medications bottles in the case with the name Kirk Johnson. Kirk Johnson was one of the people at Paisley Park when we arrived, and one of the people who discovered Prince in the elevator. When we looked inside the medication bottles it was discovered there appeared there were four, four different types of medications in the two separate bottles. It appears the medication listed on the outside label was not the same medications as found inside of the bottle. Detective Wagner did some additional research on the contents of both pill bottles. The RST prescription bottle was in the name Kirk Johnson and prescribed by Dr. Michael Schulenberg. The bottle labeled vitamin D2 contained 7 green capsules with number 194 on the pill and 8 oval yellow pills stamped with G1 on one side and number 8 on the back. By using the website Drugscom, the green capsule with the number 194 was identified as a vitamin capsule. The 8 yellow pills stamped with the number 8 was identified as ondanstrin hydrochloride sing. The second bottle also had the name Kirk Johnson, S and was prescribed on April 7, 16 by Dr. Schulenberg was for ondanstrin HC. Inside that bottle was, 1, 1 yellow oval stamp pills with the number identified as ondanstrin hydrochloride 8 milligrams. There were also, 8, whole white round pills stamped with the number AF349, along with, 4, halves of the same size pill. Using the website The Drugs Come, these pills were identified as acetaminophen slash oxycodone hydrochloride 325 mg. It should be noted a number of of SARS searched different areas of the complex. There were three, three different Hennepin County deputies, crime scene technicians, Deputy Sarah Buck, Deputy Kevin Schwartz, and Deputy Shane Magnuson taking photographs, documenting, and assisting in the collection of items of interest. During the execution of the search warrant I discovered the two, two prescription bottles with the name Kirk Johnson on the outside label. These items were later taken as evidence by Detective Wagner. The content of these pill bottles will be very, and at a later time. Any cash I found was left in the room where it was discovered. Additional note, when I, RST arrived at Paisley Park, when I, RST met Andrew Kornfeld. I photographed the office where the backpack I to Andrew Kornfeld, and the purse, belonging to Marone Bekuer were located. These photographs were taken to document where these items were originally located one and the complex. These photographs will be downloaded to a CD and placed into evidence. 19 During the execution of this search, I did not take any additional photographs or collect any other items. End of report evidence nippy slash location, case status, Detective Patrick Murphy number 859. This report, April ZS, 
2016 details, one present. I advised the media that they could park on drive and that they could stay on the on 04-21-16, at approximately 0955 hours, Sergeant Brunick called me on my cellular phone. Sergeant Brunick said that he was at Paisley Park Studios on a medical and that I needed to respond. I arrived at Paisley Park Studios, located at 7801 Audubon Road, Chanhassen, Minnesota at 1011 hours. I drove through the northwest gate and entered the main public entrance on the northeast corner of the building. I walked past the reception area and met with Sergeant Brunick. I saw what appeared to me to be Prince lying on the or in front of the elevator on top of a rug. The body was fully clothed and lying supine and leaning to the left with the feet towards the elevator. Sergeant Brunick Khan, remitted was Prince Rogers Nelson, and, and that he was dead. I stayed within visual of the body while SGT. Brunick briefed me on who was present and what sheriff. Three of, CE employees were en route to the scene. Sheriff Olson arrived on scene with Detectives Nelson and Wagner at 1,020 hours. Sergeant Meyer arrived at 1,023 hours. Sergeant Briuni briefed them on the situation. While I was standing near the body, there were two adult females and two adult males standing in the lobby. Also in the lobby was a gentleman I recognized as Kirk Johnson. I have communicated with Johnson in the past regarding concerts at Paisley Park for logistical purposes, parking, etc., and he was someone I knew to be the event coordinator and responsible for the building and grounds of Paisley Park. Deputy Nucci arrived in the building at 1,030 hours. Detective Murphy advised me he was escorting one of the adult males to another area of the building at 1,034 hours. Detective Murphy, Detective Nucci, and Detective Nelson left the building with all of the parties from the lobby at 1,039 hours. I communicated with Chief Deputy Kumarut after 1,100 hours to brief him of the situation and advised him that the media was gathering on Audubon Road. We discussed what information would be released and a possible staging area for the media. I left the studio at 1,117 hours and addressed the media that had gathered on Audubon Road outside of the Northwest Gate. The media had numerous trucks, tents etc. I gave my business card to the media that was Boulevard on the west side of Audubon between Drive and MN Highway 5. I advised the media that was present that the sheriffs of CE was conducting an investigation and that the crime lab and medical examiner were on the way. I also advised them to contact our of CE in Chaska for any further information. As I was walking away, one of the media stated something to the effect of the medical examiner and crime lab, so there has been a fatality. I responded, yes, and continued back in the building THR 0 of the northwest entrance at 1,121 hours. I resumed a position near the body. Medical Examiner Straubel and the Hennepin County Sheriff, S of, CE, HCS 0, Crime Lab arrived inside at 1,126 hours. Lieutenant Turpid, from IICSO Crime Lab, had three deputies slash sergeants with him. I maintained a position near the body while they were briefed. Revised 0, 12 my times for this report were taken by verifying on my iPhone and then recording the times. 
I did not end of report Lieutenant Eric Kit Elson number 804042641231.11. ICR 1601255 I maintained a POS one drawn near the body until 1345 hours I left the building, but stayed with the grounds I took a break from 1345 to 1415 hours on the west side of the building 1 and an area I commonly refer to as the employee parking lot detective Nelson had returned to the scene and took my place near the body at 1345 hours. From 1435 1442 hours I followed one of the HCSO crime lab deputies into an area near the front lobby. The area resembles a business center that would be 111 a hotel with several computers for guests and several small chairs. The HCSO deputy took pictures of the area and checked it. The HCSO crime lab deputies were documenting the scene with photographs and also documenting the collection of evidence. A Carver County Sheriff, S of, CE deputy would follow or escort the HCSO while photographing. After the photographs in the computer room, I followed HCSO Sergeant Magnuson while he photographed. Commander Chida assisted. The route was clockwise around the building, south on the main, over past the of, CES on the east side of the building into the main performance area, up a set of stairs on the southwest corner of the building into a large room that had a bed and nightstand in it. I saw on the which was to the left of the bed, an open bag of Hall's cough drops and what appeared to be a tube of lipstick. I pointed this out to Sergeant Magnuson, but the items were not collected at that time. I then followed Sergeant Magnuson along the catwalk to the roof door. Sergeant Magnuson opened the door and looked out at the rooftop. I gazed out the door as well, seeing nothing remarkable, we proceeded down the center of the upper level and arrived to where the CCSO investigators were primarily concentrating their search in an area that had another bed in it. The upstairs area is near the main entrance, so I proceeded down the stairs and met with Dr. Straubel. I assisted with preparations for transport of the body. I carried the body, which had now been bagged, in the elevator with Sheriff Olson, Sergeant Meyer, and Lieutenant Williams. We took the elevator downstairs and placed the body in the transport vehicle which had been parked one and the underground garage. I went outside and briefed with staff on how to create a traffic and pedestrian plan for the numerous people that had now gathered outside the fence. I cleared the scene and left in my vehicle at 1810 hours. Wear gloves while escorting Sergeant Magnuson, and I did not touch anything. The only time I touched anything was when I used the restroom south of the main lobby after it had been cleared by investigations and the crime lab. Page 25 of 214 Toggle Description Prints Investigation Files Of this report, details, 1A I returned to the front of the building and asked Deputy Wagner to interview Johnson. I sent deputies Murphy, Nucci, and Nelson to the Chanhassen district office to do interviews with some elevator door on the ground floor. This elevator is about 40 feet south of the front door, on the west side on April 21, 2016 at about 0900 hours, I received a telephone call from Sergeant Brunig who said that he needed investigati assistance at 7801 Audubon Drive in Chanhassen. He said that the Prince Rogers Nelson was deceased. 
He said that there were several people at the residence that needed to be interviewed. I asked him to start a crime scene log of people entering and leaving the crime scene. I looked for Sheriff Olson but was unable to, and him. I found, Chief Deputy Kamarud and told him what I had learned. He located Sheriff Olson and we spoke for a minute. I requested that a crime lab assist us in processing the death and we settled on the Ienepin County Crime Lab. I gathered the investigators that were available and we had a short brief, Angie. I spoke to the medical examiner, Dr. Quinn Straubel by telephone, and explained that I was in need of her personal services at the death scene. She said she would be responding and would bring one other person from her office with her. I drove to the residence which doubles as a recording studio for the musical artist Prince. I arrived and parked my car in front of the studio. It was later moved to the west side. I brought a box of rubber gloves from my car and entered the front doors after putting on a pair of rubber gloves. I was met by Sergeant Brunig who briefed me. I asked about the interior and if it had been searched for subjects and was told it had not. Of the RST people to arrive and find Prince deceased that morning. Sergeant Brunig, Deputy Wagner, and I took Kirk Anthony Johnson with us to open the doors and guide us through the search. Johnson was the chief of security and close associate of Prince. Johnson said that no one lived in the building except Prince. Johnson had knowledge of the studio and apartment we were searching. We searched the interior in areas that could hold a subject and did not open anything that was not capable of concealing a human being. We did not locate anyone inside. I there was one room in the basement that we were unable to access. Johnson said it was a vault that no one had been in and he did not know where the keys to the locked door were at. Several times during the search and processing of the building, I tried keys that were found and was unable to open this door. The door is directly in front of the basement elevator when standing inside the elevator. The door is purple in color and has the print symbol on it. The door was never opened and the contents of that room remain unknown. I saw that Lieutenant Kit Elson had appeared to have remained near the body of Prince during our search. I had observed Prince lying on the or when I entered the building. The body was lying in front of the of the hallway. There is a stairway leading up to the second or and the elevator is tucked under the stairway. This leaves a small covered waiting type area outside the elevator doors. This area is where the revised 0506 Page 26 of 214. Toggle description. I saw that the Hennepin County Crime Lab had arrived with three technicians, Sergeant Kevin Schwartz, 15. 16. I noticed that the temperature in entrance area we were in was very warm. I spoke to Johnson about the 17. I spoke with Dr. Straubel when she arrived and we made a plan for the removal of Prince to her care after 18. The next of kin arrived and asked to be taken to the remains of Prince. I explained that I would make sure 19. I waited in the entry with others while the search warrant was written and signed. See deputies Nuji and 20. I spoke to Deputy Murphy by telephone. He said that the assistant to Prince, Marone V. Kour, had declined 21. Body of Prince laid. I saw that Prince was lying on his back with his left arm extended palm up. I saw he was wearing a black knit type cap that was off his head, 
a black Under Armour brand zip-up light jacket, black nylon-type pants, blue color watch band on his right wrist, and black socks. I saw two white color medical patches on the left arm and right leg. I did not see any signs of a struggle or any obvious trauma on the body. I did not move or touch the body, only observed it. I usually take snapshots with my issue cellular telephone at death scenes to preserve images as they are when I arrive. I did not do this due to the sensitivity of this investigation. No one else took photos that I am aware of except the Hennepin County Crime Lab. I asked the investigative staff when doing an after-action brief if they had any cell phone photos and no one did. The body of Prince was lying on top of a multicolored rug. While searching the building I saw another rug exactly like this rug outside the elevator deer on the landing upstairs. I was called by Deputy Murphy who said that in his interview with one of the subjects he found out that Prince may have been suffering from an addiction to pain medication. Deputy Murphy said one of the subjects he interviewed had been at the residence to try to enroll Prince in a recovery program and had possibly some pain medication in a backpack he had been carrying. Based on this information I asked Deputy Murphy to draft a search warrant for the building to look for evidence of pain medications and prescriptions. Sergeant Shane Magnuson, and Deputy Sarah Buck, and Lieutenant Todd Turpitt. I coordinated our response to searching the living quarters between the two agencies. I informed Sheriff Olson and the rest of the law enforcement that this was the plan and it would be about two hours before we were ready to serve the search warrant. I asked if anyone had made a complete check of the exterior of the building and was told it had not been done. I walked one way around the building and Sergeant Brunick went the other. We met in the back and did not, and anything to note. Thermostats and he explained they were located periodically on the east wall of the hallway. Johnson went with me to the RST1 and showed me how to remove the cover and spin the dial under it to bring the temperature down. I asked Hennepin County Sergeant Magnuson to photograph the thermostats. I saw that they were set at 75 degrees and the temperature in the building was reading at 72 degrees. I turned all of the thermostats in the entrance hallway down to 60 degrees I asked one of the Hennepin County deputies to turn off the space heater in the kitchen area to add to reducing the temperature. I checked later and saw that the heater was off. The scene had been processed. They had a chance to be with Prince before he was removed but that the processing of the scene had to occur, RST. Murphy, S. reports. To give a statement and wanted to leave. I told him to give her a ride to her room at the county suites in where she stayed and then bring her back to the studios. Deputy Nelson called me and said that he had been waiting for Vikur to come back and she never. Page 25. Uncovered the face after some had the chance to turn away. When the family was done I escorted them 26. Garage. I lifted the bag onto a stretcher and saw him secured in place. There had been a second transport 27 on the northeast side of the building by deputy wagner i saw this room contained items that appeared to 28 investigation 29 30 31 32 area this room was on the east side of the upstairs hallway and toward the north side of the building icr 201 601 2559 returned he said he tried to call her and knocked on the door but she did not answer. 
I told him to return to assist us. When the dot warrant was signed I saw the Hennepin Crime Lab process the area and the body of Prince. I asked that swabs of Prince, S hands and neck be taken to allow the family to have contact with Prince. I told Dr. Straubel that we would be ready for the transport van to come and take Prince away. The interior of the elevator was constructed of a mostly silver color metal, possibly stainless steel. I saw on the southeast wall of the elevator under the handrail that there was a UID splashed on the wall. I made a mental note to have this area photographed and a swab taken of the substance on the wall. I received a telephone call from Deputy Murphy that the search warrant was signed and he was on his way to assist us. The investigators on scene began to search the building. I spoke to the family and explained that they would be allowed very soon to be with Prince. When I was finished I received a blanket from Lieutenant Kit Elson and I covered all but the left hand of Prince at the sister's request. The family went to the body of Prince and eventually several asked to see his face. I back outside. I helped them load Prince inside the body bag and watched the seal put on the zipper. I assisted in carrying the body bag containing Prince, four of us carried him, into the elevator and to the basement van that had left the building as a decoy prior to us bringing Prince to the garage. Cat from the of, CE accompanied Prince in. The transport van to their of, CE. I rejoined the investigative staff that was searching the living area of the building. I was called to a room make this area some sort of a dressing room. Deputy Wagner pointed out a jewelry box that she had opened. She showed me a number of white pills that were without a prescription bottle. The inscriptions on the pills were read and Dr. Straubel used her cell phone to ND that they appear to be a controlled substance general prescribed for pain. I saw that the pills were being collected as evidence. I walked through the living area this time with an out for items that could be important to this I went into a doorway that had a sign on the side asking that only authorized personnel were allowed. The room I entered appeared to be a private receiving dressing room with a bed on the north side of the room. There were couches and chairs in this room with an open suitcase of beauty products. I went into the next room. Attached to this and which was Prince, S bedroom according to Johnson when I had searched for subjects earlier. I did not disturb anything as I looked arrow UND. I saw a bed on the south side of the room and the bedding was disturbed. It appeared that whoever slept in the bed entered and left the bed from the west side. Some of the bedding was pulled onto the over. I saw a white color pill on the over in a fold of the bedding that appeared similar to the pills Deputy Wagner showed me in the dressing room. I pointed this out to Deputy Nelson and continued to look at the scene. I saw an Apple brand laptop computer sitting on the dresser in Prince's bedroom. This dresser was on the east wall. I saw a charger cord for the computer but did not see any cell phones or cell phone equipment. I did not see anything that was readily apparent as evidence in my survey of the interior of the building. When I returned I was directed to the upper, or and a room that appeared to be an of, CE or business type Deputy Wagner showed me a white envelope that contained a large number of $100 bills. These bills were banded together with a paper wrapper. I did not count the bills or any other money found at the scene. Sheriff Olson had spoken to one of the attorney, S that had arrived and represented the business that Prince Nelson conducted. 
Sheriff Olson and the attorney agreed that we would collect any. Page 28 of cash and place it into one of the LE drawers in the room that appeared to serve as an office. These two file drawers are capable of locking and the keys were in the looks. I found a brown evidence envelope and retraced my steps, gathering any cash that the investigations team had uncovered. The area's currency was located in where the bedroom, the sitting room attached to the bedroom, the of, CE area, and the room used as a makeup and bathing area. I put the currency in the drawer and Hennepin County Sergeant Schwartz took photos of the envelope and the drawer. I locked the drawer and gave the key to Sheriff Olson who gave it to the attorney 33. I later was rechecking the living areas and saw that the kitchen had some currency in small bills lying on the counter next to the door. I gathered this currency and took it up to the of CE. I put it in the other drawer and locked it inside. Hennepin County Sergeant Schwartz took photos of this drawer and the key missing. I turned the key over to Sheriff Olson who gave this one to the attorney as well. 34 I spoke with Deputy Wagner about the pills that had been found in the bedroom and the room just outside the bedroom. The pills, the pill bottles, and the pills from the dressing room, were all seized and inventoried on the search warrant receipt. Dr. Straubel was present when the pills were discovered and inventoried. I-35. Sheriff Olson told me that one of the attorneys who had arrived was in charge of the estate details. Mr. Gary Hansen was eventually given a copy of the search warrant receipt along with a copy of the search warrant. 36 I spoke with the crime scene team and they photographed the entire property again prior to our leaving to show the interior as we were leaving it. They also said that they were going to handle the photographs differently than their standard procedures. They said that a copy of the video and the photos would be delivered by Lieutenant Turpid the next day and that their reports were locked down so no one else could read them. 37. The assistant to Prince, Dot Maron Vikur, came back and spoke to Commander Chita, who brought her to she asked that she be able to enter and retrieve her keys. Escorted her to the west side of the studios and on a desk was a set of black color keys she said were hers. She described them prior to me seeing the keys so I felt assured this was something that was hers I asked her where she stayed when she did not travel home and she said she had never stayed at the residence overnight. She said she went to the hotel if she was too tired to travel home. She took the keys and I escorted her out of the building. 38 I had a round table discussion with my staff and we turned the building over to attorney Gary Hansen and his partner. 39. I checked to see that preservation letters and evidence were being processed. I spoke to the command staff and we made a plan for the next day. I detailed deputies Nelson and Nucci to attend the autopsy when it was conducted by the me in Anoka County. 40. Eld ideas and thoughts about the death investigation. I assigned Deputy Nelson to gather the medical records from Illinois where Prince Nelson had made an emergency landing in his plane and the ones from the hospitals on our area. We discussed the prescription monitoring program, PMP, and I asked Deputy Wagner to start writing search warrants for the records of the people on the staff that surrounded Prince Nelson. 41. I discussed the sealing of the search warrant that were had served on the residence of Prince Nelson, and a plan was made to see that this happened. 42 I called and discussed the processing of the pill bottles that had been seized. 
After some discussions and information sharing, I learned that the method of communication between Nelson and his staff was the telephone or emails. I regretted not taking the computer by the bedside of Nelson as I believed that this contained conversations between his staff and Nelson about medications possibly. I directed Deputy Wagner to write a search warrant for the computer that we had not seized. 44. The Security Staff I explained why we were there and some telephone calls were made. I spoke learned that the substance on the had not been swabbed. On April 25, 2016 at about 1,400 hours, I drove to Paisley Park and we were allowed to enter the grounds by wall of the elevator at the recording studio had been photographed but former power of attorney for Prince who said that all inquiries were being handled by attorney Gary Hansen. I asked that we be allowed inside the residence to swab the elevator and was told that Hansen was able to arrange this. I knew that Deputy Wagner, who was with me, had a signed search warrant in her possession for the computer that had been by the bed of Prince. I was unable to get any answers to Hansen by telephone and the security staff asked us to leave. I left without serving the warrant or letting anyone know we had a warrant. When I was back at the of, CEL received a telephone call from Gary Hansen. He said he was at the airport and was unable to take my call. I explained he needed to have the wall swapped and he agreed to meet me at Paisley Park at about 1530 hours the next day. On 4, 26-2016 at 1530 hours, I went back to Paisley Park with Deputy Wagner and Deputy Stahn. I eventually met Gary Hansen and another attorney who was with him, see Deputy Wagner's report. I explained that there was some substance on the wall of the elevator that we needed to swap as this had been neglected. He took us to the front doors and I saw that Marone Vicour had opened the doors for him. I sent Deputy Stan to do the swap of the elevator and asked to meet with Hansen. We went into the of CE area that is the RST door inside the front entrance on the west side. I explained to Hansen that we needed the computer. I offered him the option of giving us consent and voluntarily giving me the computer or asking me to serve the search warrant. We discussed the advantages to both alternatives for the estate and he asked for some time to consult. I went to the couches in the front area of the entrance and waited with Deputy Wagner. Hansen told me that he would sign the consent form and give us the computer that was in an office on the RST, or he signed consent to search form that Deputy Wagner LLED out and on the form was written that the estate was able to view the information with us when we analyzed it. See the form as it is attached to this report. Hansen had to call a locksmith to open the lock of CE the computer was in. I left deputies Stan and Wagner remained to collect the device. I received a message later that said the computer was in our custody. I spoke to medical examiner Dr. Strobe and asked that the blood sample that was taken from Prince Nelson the night before his death be analyzed for toxicology to compare with the sample taken at autopsy. I spoke to BCA agents Chris Olson and Scott Mueller about doing computer analysis on the laptop that was obtained. They agreed that they would make arrangements to have their best forensic computer technician do the analysis. On 5-03-2106, 
I was told that our office would partner with the DIA in determining where the controlled substances came from and that a determination on what charges would be filed and who would charge them would be made when the investigation was complete. I was told that a meeting was going to be set up for May 4, 2016 at about 1,130 hours with the U.S. Attorney and the DIA. On 05-04, 2016 I directed Deputy Wagner to print several pictures of the scene and the body of Prince Nelson as we found Paisley Park on April 21, 2016. The disc of photos was in the care of Deputy Wagner with instructions to not allow anyone to print copies without my permission. I numbered the photos and brought them to the meeting at 1130 hours. I gave a briefing to the guests that Sheriff Olson had invited and passed the photographs around. I received the photos as they were done being viewed and later double-checked the correct number were present and I personally placed them in the shedder for destruction. At this meeting it was decided that the DIA and R. Page 30 of 214. Of people and cars went to the Paisley Park complex. We entered the guarded gates and waited of, CE would work together in two investigations that we knew would touch often. The death investigation into Prince Nelson, S. Death would be one of our priorities and the diversion of the controlled prescriptions would be the other shared by us and the DIA. We agreed to meet at DIA headquarters on May 5, 2016 to iron out some of the details. I explained that we had the computer that had been by the bedside of Prince Nelson and I had arranged for the BCA to analyze it and do laboratory work on the pill containers that we had seized from Paisley Park. I was told that was NE and to handle this as we would normally by DIA Supervisor John Rickley. On 05-05-2016 at about 0830 hours, I met BCA agent Chris Olson at R of CE and he took the computer that we had obtained, OM Prince Nelson, S bedside and took it to BCA for analysis. At about 1300 hours, deputies Nelson and Wagner went with me to the Minneapolis DIA headquarters. We were shown around a LLED out some paperwork to assist us in working with DIA. A list of priorities was set out and information was exchanged. DIA Task Force Supervisor John Rickley asked that I get the computer back from BCA and they would have computer specialist come to our of CE to image the computer under the search warrant we had already obtained. I called BCA Supervisor Scott Mueller who understood and made arrangements for us to pick the computer back up. Deputies Wagner and Nelson went with me to BCA headquarters and Deputy Wagner received the computer from Special Agent Olson. The computer was brought back to our of CE and entered into evidence again. On May 6, 2016, the computer from Prince Nelson's bedroom was imaged in our lab by the DIA, and three copies were made. Two copies went with the DIA and one went into our evidence room. On 05-07, 2016 received a call from BCA Special Agent Olson who said the lab analysis of the containers given to them was done. He said there were prints suitable for comparison and DNA Pro, lay on May 9, 0216. At about 0930 hours, received a telephone call from the medical examiner Dr. Straubel. She said that the toxicology results were back from the lab on Prince Nelson's specimens. She said there were levels of prescription medications, hydrocodone, in the urine but none in the blood. 
She said the blood contained a high level of the drug fentanyl. She said the count was 67.8 mg per liter of blood. In way of reference she said a cancer patient with a fentanyl patch on would change the patch every 3 hours and have a blood level of about 3.2 ve mg per liter of blood. I spoke to Chief Deputy Kumarut and Sheriff Olson about the news from the blood analysis. I explained that we needed to return to Paisley Park and search the building again looking for items that could contain the drug fentanyl. I met with deputies Nelson and Wagner about the information and I asked Deputy Wagner to begin a search warrant for returning to Paisley Park. We informed our partners at DIA and the on May 10, 2016 a search warrant was obtained and the DIA and our deputies briefed at 1530 hours. Shortly after 1600 hours we were noti, and that the search warrant had been signed. Sheriff Olson made arraignments for a representative from Bremer Bank, the appointed administrator of the estate, to meet us and let us in the building. For the person with the keys to arrive. The keys arrived and I entered the building at 1744 hours. We searched the building until about 0030 hours, and then left uniform sheriff, S of CE staff on site for the rest of the night, with plans to return the next day at 0900 hours. On May 11, 2016 at about 0900 hours, we returned to Nish the search of the building. We were unable to get into the vault in the basement without damaging it. An arraignment was worked out with Bremer Bank to pay Northwest Corner CF the vault. One of the bags had the words, opium, written on it. Looked in the bag 70 report Sergeant DeWitt Meyer number 813, we took the evidence that had been collected and left. On May 12, 2016 at about 1030 hours, I spoke to Dr. Straubel by telephone. She told me that the blood have sheriff of CE staff remain on site and outside the locked building until an expert could be brought in to open the vault. The bank had concerns that the vault contained numerous valuable recordings that could be damaged by unwanted exposure from outside the vault. When everything was searched except the vault sample taken the night before Prince Nelson died, April 20, 2016, had no fentanyl in it. She asked about nasal sprays at the scene as one of the current methods of abusing fentanyl is to snort it. I told her that there were some nasal sprays and drops at the scene. On May 13, 2016 I received a telephone call from DIA agent Rickley. He said that Bremer Bank was, ying in a specialist to open the vault and he would be at Paisley Park on May 15, 2016 at about 1,700 hours. On May 15, 2016 at about 1,700 hours, I arrived at Paisley Park. There were numerous people present from the bank and a specialist who was going to open the vault and then put it back together so that the interior was secure. I was present when the vault door was breached and opened. I saw the time as about 19.10 hours. I watched as Deputy Wagner took photos of the interior of the vault. We searched the vault and did not find anything of evidentiary value. I found six zippered bank bags in a white garbage bag on a shelf in the and saw only cash of different denominations. The bag that said, opium, on it, I was unable to get the zipper to open. I used my pocket knife to slit the seam at the bottom of the bag to look inside.
I saw only cash in the bag. All six of the bags were given by Agent Rickley to the Bremer Bank personnel. To my knowledge the cash was never counted by any law enforcement at the scene. I saw Deputy Wagner take photos of the vault and the money bags on the shelf inside the vault as we left the interior, according to my watch the time we exited was about 19.38 hours. On May 17, 2016 I spoke Supervisor Scott Mueller and made preliminary arraignments for the evidence we had obtained at Paisley Park to be analyzed for controlled substances including fentanyl underscore C. Deputy Wagner, S. Report for the in-depth description of the transfer of the evidence to the BCA. I had several conversations with me Dr. Straubel about a chemical analysis of the stomach, fluids found and collected in the autopsy. Dr. Straubel told me that the stomach acid would be expected to have some low levels of fentanyl in it because there was a sine, can't amount in the body eye bloodstream. I asked Dr. Straubel to send the contents to the lab anyway to see what the levels were as he felt they would be a sine, can't fact. On 05-23, 2016 at about 0800 hours, I spoke to Dr. Straubel by telephone. She said she had the results of the chemical analysis of the stomach, but it's back for the lab. She said that the extremely high level of fentanyl in the stomach contents left no doubt the drug was ingested orally by Prince in pill form. I met with Sheriff Olson and Chief Deputy Kimura to let them know the information Dr. Straubel had given me. I then told the investigators this information. Squad video available other. Zero this follow-up report to document the services of a preservation letter to Verizon Wireless on the accounts belonging to Joshua Weldon, Tyka Nelson, and Michael Schulenberg. Date of this report, 04-21-16 names, Joshua Aaron Michael Weldon CIT, Tyka Eben Nelson LLCIT, Dr. Michael Todd Schulenberg, details, 1 on 04-21. 1-6 at approximately 19-12 hours I served a preservation letter on Verizon Wireless on the very, at Verizon cell phone accounts, cell phone numbers, underscore, Dr. Michael Skillenberg, Tyka Nelson, and Joshua Welton. To the purpose of this preservation letter was to save and preserve call history, any incoming or outgoing text messages, and to save and preserve any currently saved or unplayed voicemail messages from the identity, at Verizon numbers. 3. This preservation was served in the belief and preparation a search warrant would later be served on Verizon Wireless to recover the content of the information held on their servers, related to the identity, at Verizon numbers. 4. At the time this preservation letter was served it was believed there may be information held in these accounts that would assist investigators in the death investigation of Prince Rogers Nelson. 5. This follow-up report is to document this preservation letter has been served on the 3. 3. Identity, at revised 05L12, through Battison Kornfeld CTT. Attorney Bill Mozifar, PH hashtag underscore details, 1. Background, on April 21st, 16 at approximately 0943 hours the sheriffs of CE received a call of a medical at Paisley Park Studio. S. Located 7801, Audubon Road in the city of Chanhassen. The caller stated they found a person not breathing. Deputies responded and found Prince Rogers Nelson, 57 years old, unresponsive. 
Prince was pronounced deceased by medical personnel at approximately 10.07 a.m. When deputies arrived they found, six, six other people on the premises to include, Dr. Mike Schulenberg, Josh, and Hannah Welton, husband and wife, Kurt Johnson, Marone Beckhuer, and Andrew Kornfeld. We informed these people we would need to investigate the circumstances surrounding Prince, death and requested they come to the Chenhassen City Hall for follow-up interviews. Everyone said they understood. We requested they follow us to City Hall in their personal vehicles. 3. Note, before we left Paisley Park Studio, S. Andrew Kornfeld requested if he could get his backpack, and Marone, S. Purse, from an of, see he located down the hall from the main entry. I told him I would have to go with him to collect those items. Andrew told me he was uncertain of the exact location of the of CE as this was the RST time he had been at Paisley Park Studio, S. 4 Andrew told me he just arrived in Minnesota this morning. He was supposed to meet with Prince. I asked if he was in the music, held. He told me he was in from California representing his father, S. Recovery Clinic. He told me the clinic is called Recovery Without Walls. 5. I escorted Andrew to an of CEE identity, ed. This of CEE was located on the west side of the building. This is a larger of CEE located off one of the larger recording studios. Andrew told me he was brought to that of CEE after they arrived at the complex. He told me after they arrived Kirk went to try and locate Prince. They believed Prince was on the property, but admits they had not been able to make contact with him revised 05 before they arrived. Andrew denied he had any contact with Prince before he was discovered in the elevator. Once we were at the of CE Kirk identity, and his coat, and a green color backpack, which was located on the couch. I allowed Andrew to pick up those items. We also found Marone's black purse which was located 011 to or next to the desk. Note, before these items were removed I took general overview photographs of the room, with my county-issued iPhone, to document the current condition of the room and the locations of the items to be removed. After we collected these items I walked with Andrew back to the lobby where we again met with the other. As we were walking out of the building I explained to Andrew I would need to retain his bag until we talked. I told him I would hold his bag and place it in my squad and would bring it to the Chenhassen City Hall. I explained the same to Marone. I told her I would be holding her bag until we met. They both said they understood. I maintained control of both bags, and at no time were Andrew and I separated while we were walking through the building. I was always with Andrew and at no time did I see him remove anything from his backpack. We cleared from Paisley Park at approximately 1045 hours. At approximately 1054 hours I met with Andrew Kornfeld in a private of CE at the Chenhassen City Hall. At that time I also had Marone, S and Andrew's bags in the room where I could see and control them. I explained to Andrew because he was present at the death scene we needed to interview everyone who was there, and talk about any information they may have about Prince. Andrew said he understood. Andrew told me this was the RST time he had been to Minnesota. He said he lives in California. 
He told me he came to meet with Prince as a representative of his father's recovery center. He told me he arrived at the airport at approximately 6 a.m. this morning. I asked about the recovery center. Andrew provided me a business card from Recovery Without Walls. This business is operated by his father Dr. Howard Kornfeld. Andrew denied he was a licensed doctor, but admits he was pre-med and admits he also has a medical background. Andrew told me the recovery center specializes in pain management, addictions to medications, and mood disorders. 15. Andrew told me the meeting with Prince was arranged by Prince, S. People. Andrew said his father, Dr. Howard Kornfeld, was unable to meet so he came in his father's place to meet with Prince. The purpose of the meeting was to discuss the concerns about Prince's health. 16. Andrew told me the meeting was arranged by Kirk, Prince's friend and security manager, and a girl 17, whom he could not remember her name. He told me the girl was also at Paisley Park this morning. I have identified the girl, an adult, as Marone Becker, Prince's assistant. Andrew told me he took a red eye and landed this morning about 6 a.m. He told me Kirk and Marone set up his hotel arrangements at the County Inn and Suites. He told me they checked him into the hotel but he did not go to his room. He told me he had breakfast with Kirk and Marone before they were going to meet with Prince. 18. Andrew told me they were trying to contact Prince, but he did not answer. Andrew told me they arrived at Paisley Park at approximately 0900 hours. He told me he and Marone went to wait in an of C, where we picked up his backpack and Marone purse. He told me Kirk and Marone then went to look around the building to try and locate Prince 19. He told me he heard a scream and went to the area where he heard the scream. He said he observed Prince lying on the floor of the elevator. Prince was lying on his left side he told me it looked like he just laid down. He told me he did not see any trauma to Prince's body. He told me Prince's body was warm to the pain. 20 he told me he dialed 911, but when the dispatcher answered he did not know where to tell them he was. He said he had never been to the Paisley Park studio before and did not know the address. 21 I asked about his purpose for coming to meet with Prince. He told me the meeting was arranged by his father by Prince, as people. He said he did not have much information because he had not yet met with Prince to get the background information. He told me he thought it had to do with prescription medications. He denied he had any contact with Prince before Prince was discovered in the elevator. 22 Andrew told me he received information from Kirk, that Prince was struggling with opiate use, and he, Andrew, believed Prince may have been suffering from opiate withdrawal. He told me Prince had also reported not feeling well. 23. I asked when his meeting with Prince had been arranged. He told me his father was contacted yesterday, the 20th. He admits the meeting was put together at the last minute and he came to Minneapolis early this morning. 24. Andrew told me he works with his father, but he also has his own company, Practitioner Plus LLC. He told me his company is a medical marketing and consulting company. 
He said he operates the business from his home residence in California 25. I asked who his main contact was in arranging the meeting. He told me his travel arrangements were made by a woman named Fedora Ellis Lampkins. He believed Kirk and Marone could tell me about Fedra. He told me his direct contact was with Kirk when he landed. 26 I explained to Andrew the reason why I wanted to control his bags, was because those items were located inside the scene. I asked if we looked in his bag if there was anything of concern we might, and in his bag. 27 Andrew admitted there would be something of concern. He asked if he should get it. I asked if he was willing to tell me what it was. He said yes. Andrew told me he had some pills with him. The timestamp of this conversation is approximately 20 minutes. 28 Andrew told me he had some buprenorphine which he told me is a drug used for opiate addicts. He told me he wanted me to know he brought these pills of his own accord. He told me, when he travels with this, these are the types of things. His sentence was incomplete. He told me he had no intention to using them. 29 Andrew told me he told me he also had a, little, a dubin, which he said is like a benzodiazepine, to be used if someone was having a seizure. He said he also had an anti-nausea suppository, if someone were puking. I asked if these were controlled medications. He admitted they were. 30 I asked if these medications were something he had a prescription for, or if he took them from the facility because he was going to meet with a client. He denied he took them from the facility, but admits he brought them of his own accord. He told me he had gotten them from his medicine cabinet. 31 He told me he did not tell his dad he brought them. He told me he did not think about bringing them. He said he just had them. He said he did not think about it, he just said he had them, and now admits it wasn't, a very good idea. 32 I told Andrew I had some concern he was going to meet someone who was a possible prescription drug addict, and he was bringing controlled prescriptions that did not belong to him. I asked if he was qualified to determine what was going on, or able to administer the medications. Andrew denied he would administer the drugs under any circumstances, without, RST consulting with physician. I asked why he would be carrying the medications. 33 He told me the honest answer is, if someone was dying in front of you. I pointed out if he was not qualified, how would he know if he was helping or hurting the circumstances. He told me he would call a doctor first. CICR 16012559934 I asked if he could a and help me understand why he had the medications with him. I pointed out he was bring drugs to a person who possibly had a chemical dependency issue, he wasn't, t quali, had to administer them, and was possessing medications that were not prescribed to him. Andrew agreed. I told him I was trying to understand the circumstances why he brought the medications. 35 He gave the explanation saying if there was an alcoholic who was having a seizure and he was on the phone with 911, and told them he had some Valium, or he had whatever, he would ask if he should give the medication to them. Andrew denied he would ever give the medications without talking to a physician. He also admitted he would be on the phone with his dad. 36 I pointed out our 911 dispatcher, or our medics, 
are not going to tell him give anyone anything until they arrive. I told Andrew the concern was if someone discovered him, Prince, and things were going bad, someone tried to intervene by giving him something. Andrew denied he had any contact with Prince before he was discovered in the elevator. Andrew told me if he had discovered if he, Prince, was having some distress he would call his dad, or he would call 911. 37. Andrew told Melv suppository are not a controlled substance and the other medications, there was not that much of it. I told Andrew from what he disclosed, the other medications were controlled. I explained, he knew the medications, are neither prescribed to him, nor does he have the authority to administer or control them. 38 I told Andrew the medications were in his bag would be collected and we would be keeping them. Andrew said he understood. I asked if there was anything else in the bag we should know about, or if he had anything else on his person. He said no. I told Andrew I would be keeping his bag and inventorying the items in his bag. I told him at a later time we could determine what items could be returned. 39 Andrew told me he did not think through the implications of having those medications. Andrew told me they were just in his medicine cabinet and he did not even remember where they were from. I explained I believed he brought the medications because he was coming to see a client, and if he, Prince, was having problems, he was going to try to help him. Andrew told me he would call a doctor, RST. 40 I asked if his backpack was a carry-on bag, or was it a checked bag when he was on the airplane. He admits it was a carry-on bag. I told him if airport screen had checked his bag there was the potential he could have been arrested at airport screening because the medications we lose in a bag, and not in an identity, ed bottle prescribed to him. 41 Andrew asked if he was going to be charged. I explained we were looking into the circumstances involving Prince, s death. I told him the issue would have to be address, but I did not know what was going to happen at this time. 42 I again asked when they arrived at Paisley Park. He told me they arrived between 9 or 915. I asked how long he was in the of CE before Prince was discovered. He thought it was about 10 to 15 minutes. Andrew said Kirk left, RST, and then came back. He said Kirk seemed nervous like he had interrupted Prince. He believed Kirk found Prince, RST, and then Marone went with Kirk. He told me Marone was originally with him in the of CE when Kirk, RST went to look for Prince. 43 I asked about the other people at Paisley Park. He told me he did not know the others. He said the doctor arrived after he, Kirk, and Marone arrived. He told me the doctor just showed up, and he had no idea the doctor was coming. 44. Andrew seemed to have a hard time remembering if the doctor showed up after Prince was discovered, or arrived after the police. He told me the other two people Josh and Hannah showed up about 10 or 15 minutes after he, Kirk, and Marone. 45 This report is a synopsis of the interview with Andrew Comfeld. This interview was audio recorded and will be downloaded to a CD and placed into evidence. 46 ER this INTE6 Andrew Webb. ER 16-0125546.
ER this INTE6 Andrew waited in a conference room which is located in the public lobby of the Chen Hassan City Hall. This is a public area, and the conference room was not locked, nor was anyone posted at the door preventing people from coming or going. The others who were at Paisley Park were also waiting in this same conference room, waiting for their turn to be interviewed by either Detective Nelson or myself. 47 At the end of the interview with Andrew I told him I would be willing to drive him back to his hotel if he did not have another ride. 48 After the interview with Marone Bekur I again Bree, why spoke with Andrew, who was still waiting in the conference room. Andrew was sitting in the room by himself. I asked how he was doing. He told me he was just thinking about the things he was doing. I asked if he needed a ride back to his hotel. He said he would like a ride. 49. At approximately 1,345 hours I transported Andrew back to the county inn and suites located in the city of Chanhassen. During the ride Andrew asked if he was able to return to California. I told him I was not going to keep him from returning home. 50. He asked about his backpack and property. I explained the backpack was going to be held and we would decide at a later time what could or could not be returned. He asked if it was possible the backpack could be shipped to him in California. I told him we could decide at that time, but if he wanted it shipped he would be responsible for the shipping costs. 51 I asked if he was going to arrange a, I'd back today. He said he was going to try to, and a, I'd but when he got back to the hotel he was going to sleep for a while. I dropped Andrew off at the front door to the country inn and suites. The follow-up conversation, nor the car ride back to the hotel, was not audio recorded. 52. Additional information, on April 21st, 16 at approximately 1,741 and 1,746 hours I received calls from attorney Bill Mozzie. Mr. Mozzie was leaving a message telling me he was representing a client Andrew Kornfeld and asked if I could return his call. 53 on April 21st, 16 at approximately 1933 hours I spoke with attorney Bill Mozzie by phone. Mr. Mozzie Khan met he was representing Andrew Kornfeld. He told me he was calling asking if his client's laptop computer could be returned. 54 I explained to Mr. Mozzie his client's property would be held until a search warrant could be executed on the bag. I explained to Mr. Mozzie the circumstances his client explained, and that his client disclosed he had controlled prescription medications in his bag that were not prescribed to him. I told him we could decide after the search warrant was executed what items could be returned. 55 Mr. Mozzie told me he understood. He also told me from talking to his client that he understood his client was free to return back to California. Icon, Remet he could return and if there was need to get in touch with his client at a later time I could make arrangements with law enforcement in California for any follow-up that may be necessary. Mr. Mozzie asked I go through him if there was any other follow-up with his client. 56 Mr. Mozzie asked if there was a possibility his client could be charged with a crime. I told him I was unable to give him an answer at this time. 57 At the end of our phone conversation I asked Mr. Mozzie to send me a letter verifying he was representing Andrew Kornfeld, and I would add that information to my, L.E. 
I provided him my email address. 58 The recorded messages received from attorney Bill Mozzie and the follow-up phone call was audio recorded and will be downloaded to a CD and placed into evidence. 59 Additional follow-up We have very, Ed Andrews flight information through agent Jesse Tavolich, Department of Homeland Security that Andrew Kornfeld was on Delta, I-8-0-6-7-7. The, I-8 originated from San Francisco. The, I-8 departed San Francisco at 0019 hours on the 2.15, and arrived in. Page 16-012559 Minneapolis-St. Paul at 0553 hours 60. Additional information, we have also followed up with the County Inn and Suites to Con, RM when Andrew checked into his hotel room. On 04-22-16 I requested Deputy Horvath to check with County Inn and Suites to verify when Andrew checked into the hotel. Deputy Horvath received information Andrew checked into the hotel on 04-21-16 at approximately 0845 hours. It is my understanding Country Inn and Suites does not have video surveillance. End of report evidence slash type I location, case status. Detective Patrick Murphy, number 859.